Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick. Here to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to look ahead to AEW Dynamite tonight. And Sidgwick, I sense this is your show you are rather looking forward to. Yes, I honestly think the incredible hot streak is going to continue. We are... When is Revolution... Oh, that's a good question. 5th of March. 5th of March. 5th of bloody March, right? We're not we're just in February. So the format of these intoxicating dynamites is very much action-heavy. And there's not any... It's not as if there's no stories going into these matches. There is a story, and it's not particularly impenetrable going into every single one that we are previewing today. But there's nothing that's going to sell you on something of art. Take my 50 quid. I need to watch this right now. So I'm kind of looking forward in the coming weeks to get something, a proper angle, Mm. that's going to get me invested in the revolution matches outside of the main event. Again, we're not there yet. It doesn't have to intensify to that. These rivalries are consuming these professional wrestlers, and they must be settled next week. We're not there yet. If you go there now, it doesn't mean as much when you have to get there. But I'm looking forward to, I want to know what Cole's doing. I want to know what Paige is doing. Mm. I want to know what the Elite are doing. I want a direction. I'm, I'm going to get one, mm. but I want some directions of what some of the top cast are going to do at this point, even though in a vacuum, the show looks like it's going to absolutely rule. It does feel weird that there's, with the amount of important matches on this show, Hamlet, we've barely got a chance to mention, oh yeah, Kenny Omega might return on this show. Yeah, um, we were talking about it before we recorded, and obviously there's been various news breaking about it. It's not something AEW need to advertise because they've done a great job of stacking this. I think, honestly, to Cedric's point about the matches feeling, the stuff where the storyline's been taking place almost on television without you needing to go head to revolution is why... Dynamite's just been nailing it lately. It's not like this stuff week by week hasn't got legs because it absolutely does. 
like everything that they're building for television has got like for example tonight mm-hmm. Moxley and Page feels like a pay-per-view feud that just mm-hmm. happens to have played out on television and I would say that's the case with 90% of the stuff they've been building the few things MJF and Brian that has been that have been saved for Revolution is because it's really easy for you to be able to say well that's a pay-per-view caliber title match you would have said that about Page and Moxley and yet they've just had it play out brilliantly on TV it's a compromise, a, like compromise has got negative connotations in wrestling, but it's a compromise between serving your TV masters and keeping pay-per-view prestigious that I'm not so sure AEW's had the measure of since before the pandemic, quite honestly. Mm. Like I love, you know, I like, I'll celebrate that golden era, that summer of AEW, but the television was so red hot, the pay-per-view just felt on the same level. Yeah. They were, like it disappeared, like the sort of the gap between the two. Whereas they've just, I just think they've managed it so brilliantly yeah. since Full Gear, getting you very quietly hyped for Revolution, but never neglecting Dynamite. There's just a great balance at the moment. Yeah, I complained quite frequently last year that they'd taken their patient matchmaking to the opposite end of the extreme. It, they weren't not giving any way, anything away too early. They were giving now away. And that very much has changed over the last few months. I think it's been a very notable and intentional step. It's immeasurably helped my investment in the product. Maybe I'm being greedy, but I would like a little something. I'm not going to complain if I don't, because I know it's coming. Like you say, in in terms of a change of strategy, interesting to see just so many, just just how many um, rematches are on this show, but they all have an inbuilt storyline, whether it be Red Velvet trying to beat Jade Cargill for the TBS Championship, whether it be Paige and Moxley, or Darby Allen and Samoa Joe that we'll talk about now, no holds barred for the TNT Championship, where the rule is, and they mentioned this on the road too, which is well worth checking out. It's a lovely uh, bit at the beginning for Jay Briscoe with Mark Briscoe talking down the camera lens uh, about his late brother, um, talking about the fact that whoever loses is not going to be getting a rematch for this title. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's the way to do it, especially on a night when you've booked so many rematches. It's nice to... Let the audience know we're not going to do this all of the time, yeah. but these matches in particular justify, warrant having rematches. It doesn't feel in any way, shape, or form boring or repetitive. It just happens to have a lot of rematches that have got more mileage in these stories that can't eclipse the previous encounters. And if you look at some of them, it's not so much... Rematch is the wrong word because the connotation of rematch is, in WWE... Not so much that much anymore. They'll do a match. They will reverse the result the previous week. Nothing is settled. There is no drama. And then they'll do the one that counts um, at the weekend on a pay-per-view. Red Velvet and Jade Cargill, granted, it's not been a particularly great epic saga where these two characters are inextricably linked through their journey and they have to continually prove that one's better than the other or one's always chasing at the other one's heels. But there's continuity there. They've been tethered together in the narrative for all this time. That doesn't really feel like, oh, just another match that we'll do again. It feels like, you know, something that exists for a really good and well-thought-out purpose. Paige Moxley, again, it's the kind of stuff I was begging for on TV. Just once a week, um, I'm getting it. Joe versus Darby, a thoroughly justified rematch, in my opinion. It's the rubber. Um, Doing two trilogy closes on one show could be redundant. But at the same time, they're both such thrilling prospects that I'm not that bothered. Is it difficult to call? Because there's an argument to be made that Samoa Joe wins this. I and think you he wins it. Go back to the Wardlow thing, or do you think Wardlow retains? So we talked about this one in depth first. Yeah, let's talk about this. Well, I'm Sorry. terrified. 
<laughs> I am absolutely terrified about this match. Darby Allen's already taken some brutal punishment in this series so far. Um, and there are no rules in this one. Like, we're going to see some kind of ridiculous ladder bump, maybe a Kikina clutch from a ladder. Uh, is it finish again? I'm all over the place today. Coffin drop. Coffin drop. Yeah. A Kikina clutch off a ladder. That could be tremendous. Um, you made a really inter- sorry, you made a really interesting point when we were talking about this last week on the review about people speedrunning championship runs. Yes, FTR did it um, after between the two elite reigns. Moxley did it last year when he had to be the sort of safe pair of hands steward. And I think this is what they've done with Darby Allen. They've significantly elevated his profile within AEW once again without having to commit to this really long term. It's like the way that they juggle these title reigns. Either it's consistency or brilliant big match performance and I like how they do this. It means that you don't have to constantly... Because in a perfect world, every single wrestler would have a long title reign because that's how you build prestige. That's how you make these wrestlers feel like they can't be defeated. But it just gets boring, particularly when you're doing all of this in parallel. So I like this cheat code to a speed run because you get the acclaim. You get the idea that he's still really hard to beat because he's beaten all comers. I just think it's really neat. I just think it's really cool. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm terrified about this match. I think Joe goes over, given the story they're telling, is Alan is pushing himself far too hard. Um, these matches are really, really competitive because everyone really wants this prestigious title, which just adds to it on a wider scale. And I think this is how they segue to the Wardlow match. I know Dave Meltzer reported that Wardlow's injured. Um, he didn't have an indefinite uh, return date. But it feels like if you didn't know that information, you would expect Wardlow to resurface in the story um, very, very soon indeed. So I think Joe wins. And it's the best thing about the series is that Darby Allen is a genius at what he does. And he doesn't necessarily just have to be this prop that you can throw about and anyone can look like a monster. Like Mike Bennett looked like a monster yeah. against Darby Allen. And he's like one of the smallest wrestlers doing his thing in the mainstream right now. The idea, and they've done this twice on this show. Sorry, Hamflat, we'll let you talk at some point. Where it just feels like the baby face, the plight of the baby face is genuinely harrowing on two separate matches, but for two separate reasons. In that Samoa Joe is himself a weapon. He proved this (laughs) in his normal matches with Darby Allen. So if you put some like demented plunder in the mix, like you just fear for the guy's safety, mm-hmm. and that is going to be enormously dramatically effective. So the series is ruled. It's completely rejuvenated some more, Joe. And I think that they are going to do the switch. I don't, but I can totally see the argument for it. It wasn't, truthfully, when I saw the graphic come up until me and Sid talked about it over the desks, it wasn't even something I considered. I thought this was going to be a great opportunity for another... Um, chapter, I guess, in the Darby Allen is pushing himself too hard story, and he's fighting now against the guy that's arguably done the most damage to him. It's certainly in recent memory. Samojo's this one that you, your head immediately goes to. Um, and it was like Andrade and Miro were the ones probably before that, but Joe's the one right now. Mm. So I kind of thought that's that was the point of this, was Darby is going too fast, too hard, and it will catch up with him eventually, but it won't be through Joe. I did think there was more in, not more in Joe and Wardler, but I just felt like there was more to do. And I kind of thought that would maybe be over the Ring of Honor TV title. Maybe a bit of a break for Wardlow from AEW after what felt like a character that was careering off the rails a little Mm. bit in truth. So that's how I'd seen it going until like we talked about it and Cedric pitched that as an alternative. So I could, I suppose it's 
maybe it is unpredictable in the sense that we could see it going different ways. I've loved Darby Allen this year, loved him um, against my better judgment, truthfully. Not one of my favourites, and yet I just find his matches and his work irresistible at the moment. It has been, um, I think it's been a real, uh, not proof of concept, but I think it's just reinstalled my faith in AEW at large. Because one of the problems, I've said this before, the people complaining about the size of the roster the longest time I just felt we're getting the complaint wrong. It's not that there's a problem having this huge list of wrestlers. It's about the idea that if you were watching a regular TV show and the new characters just kept appearing yeah. and replacing the ones you were just investing in, you'd probably stop watching that TV show. If it was like a, na- a drama, if it was like Sopranos and you've got this like cast of characters that you really care about over the course of a season and then like randomly on episode 13, like there's, there's 10 new ones and then episode 14, there's 10 more new ones and it's just, I just felt that was where they were kind of like narratively letting down the like the characters from like their sort of prior few weeks. Darby Allen was an example of that and yet some great matches, a yeah. TV title run, that speed run, as Sidrick calls it, has kind of put him right back there. I feel like we're right where we were late twenty nineteen, early twenty twenty, like even later than that, like Darby and Cody were were right there. They have not dropped the ball with him after all. I kind of feel like that's the case with Orange Cassidy and the All Atlantic title as well. A few of these and like Jungle Boys run of late, these AW originals that you were feeling are they all dead? Like, if all these new characters come in and just replace them, no, it's just taking a bit of time to get them back through focusing your booking a little bit more. And I hope that's not over. Truthfully, it's a it's a heart overhead thing. I want the Darby Allen run to continue. I think there are not to be critical of Joe. I just think there's another interesting opponent down the road that is the one to end this end this reign. Yeah, I'm leaning towards Sidious ever since you said that speed run comment because I was like, yeah, why would you rush them? I mean, realize. He doesn't really care about his body and just can do keep going through whatever. But yeah, you'd you'd probably space him out a little bit. And uh, now I think Samoa Joe wins tonight. Maybe if Wardlow's not ready, a former TNT champion who we haven't seen on television for quite some time could show up eventually and just have the biggest hoss battle you've ever seen. Miro, I'm talking about if you're unaware. Um, and in terms of Darby Allen, I think it might be a taking a step back, take a step forward which is not losing upwards, because what I'm saying here is I'd have him be a future, maybe not straight away, but a future opponent for MJF after he defeats Brian Danielson at the pay-per-view. But to get there, I don't think he can lose the TNT Championship at the pay-per-view and then be like, oh, right, pivot, now I'm going to take after the World Championship. So I think maybe he loses here to win at the pay-per-view, whether it be singles or tag alongside Sting or, or whatever, because they still want to get... I don't know when Sting... Sting going to retire at the end of this year? He says so. I mean, he's a wrestler. It's a wrestler, isn't it? Yeah, so. Um, so I think maybe Samoa Joe wins it um, and Sting uh, has to pick up what's left of his son? <laughs> yeah. Nephew? I don't know what the, quite the dynamic is. What's uh, cool about MJF and Darby Allen for the world title is that they've got ridiculous in-ring chemistry, but the story went, like, badly undercooked, I think, first time around. Mm. So they can pretty much start that from scratch with the guarantee of having a banger at the other end as well. Uh, now, we've also got uh, Brian Danielson versus Timothy Thatcher on this show. Um, no offence to... Well, actually, I don't know why I need, need to say that. He's not going to hear it, is he? He's not on social media. I'm going to say no offence, but there's never a good time to face Timothy Thatcher. <laughs> but it's certainly not, Sige, when you've got a dislocated shoulder. Well, that, that, therein lies the genius of this matchmaking. It would be, as you've just said, a in storylines, a pretty hard one for Danielson to overcome in terms of a challenger. Certainly a very painful one. But the great twist here is that Brian Danielson 
as expertly orchestrated by the MGF character is going to win, but it's going to be very much a Pyrrhic victory. He is going to lose something of greater significance than a professional wrestling match on TV. He's going to potentially lo- uh, use, lose the use of an entire appendage. And if there's anyone I trust in professional wrestling to tell a story over the course of an hour yeah. with a storyline limitation that will foster his creativity, it's Brian Danielson. He'd find it more fun than being fully fit, wouldn't he? Yeah. And like, that's a his, challenge, a yeah. challenge. He had this dream, Brian Danielson, of wrestling a three-hour match. <laughs> it was one of his famous dreams. He wanted to wrestle a three-hour match just to see what it would look like, the idea of what a challenge it would represent. I believe it was the one that he had with Austin Aries that ultimately went to a mere 78 minutes yeah. <laughs> because Gabe Sapolsky realized, well, however, <laughs> I know you're the best, Danielson, but I don't think literally anyone could ever be that good. So the 78-minute, uh, he's not going to go that long with MGF, but it's a similar challenge. Mm. You are restricting the things that you can do. I just, in it again... MGS finish, not that he wrestles enough, you know, in character that you'd yeah. remember this, but it's the Fujiwara Ombo, that's yeah. salt of the earth. So it's all tying in beautifully, and you know there's still time left for Danielson's plight to get much worse. How he wins is going to be fascinating. It's that Archer, Hangman Page thing where it's like, you know he's going to win, but come on, give it, give her a little bit of fun. Cast doubt over the outcome. How are you going to do it? Don't say, like, are you going to do it? Change the question because that original question answers itself. So change the question. I'm so intrigued as to how he wins because they're nice. They're not going to just bury Thatcher. They're going to want to protect Thatcher as well. And they've got AEW, very good history of bringing in these mercenaries with these, like, mythical reputations in niche circles like Nick Gage. They beat him so well when Jericho had that match. It was a perfect finish. So the, and it's Danielson. He's obviously going to have a great idea. Um, a Bret Hartian way of beating Thatcher, but something that's going to make you physically like squirm when you see the pain, the positions his arm is going to get bent into. You're going to think in that moment that his shoulder is shoot knackered and he's not just selling. He's not just using his incredible body control and storytelling ability to make you think that. You just simply will think he is knackered. It's also so nice to see two guys from NXT, you know, making it finally as well, Hamlet. Yeah, I guess so. Like, they've had to leave the mainstream of uh, NXT to not always, you know, like, low-grade... Reasonable audience wrestling shows. But that'd be a nice uh, Cedric uh, blew my spot because I was going to say it's masturbatory Bret Hart tribute time in the Nutter Center, no less. <laughs> On that very night 30 years ago, Bret Hart saw Brooklyn. Nutter Center, that's uh, Wilborn's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't have to be mad to leave here, but it helps. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to say that to his wife tonight. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he had his fingers broke. He had his uh, by Razor Ramon, he had his neck cracked by Mr. Perfect, and yet he defeated Bam Bam Miglow in the main event. The sharpshooter wasn't using any of them. It was counters and getting out of desperate situations in unwinnable matches and winning them nonetheless. And that's Brian tonight, where it's been centered around an injured body part, which he can sell. It's rolling through a submission and getting a win and looking not like... Not like he's gotten away with one, because I don't think that's how they will... It's not WWE. He doesn't roll to the floor and have his arm raised by the referee on the outside. It's great wrestling. 
It's bringing back, you know, if you win with a roll-up, a roll-up's a wrestling move. So yeah. well done for being a master tactician. Not well, you've got to give me a rematch. Yeah, backslide. Oh, can't yeah. have that. Like it's it's gonna be presented as wow. Even with one arm, even after Thatcher targeted this and that and this and that, and even if like Brian's knackered because he's been working every single week lately, he's still got it in him because you know, you have to find X different ways to beat him, and MJF hasn't got that in his locker. So mm. what like you know, if Timothy Thatcher couldn't do it, what chances MJF got? And that's the drama. Yeah. I've got a fantasy booking spot for this because I'm kind of marking out about this one. Thatcher is going to do one of his incredible faces yeah. when Danielson has him to do the head stamp spot because he can't hold on because the arm's going to hurt. He's just going to pull it out of its socket and drag him to the mat and then do the arm bar. And then that drama yeah. of, what's he going to tap? Like Thatcher, I would want to see him every week. Not my style of wrestler. But my God, this one week is situationally perfect to introduce the character. And it's going to be very interesting to see uh, if there is a post-match beatdown. We alluded to it uh, last week. Where Wheeler Utah fits in all this? I am... Yeah, I'm hoping it's not a dropped thread. I'm hoping it's not a dropped thread and that it's something they've decided to just park. Um... By the wayside, so that they can just pick it back up whenever they like. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be Big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? A try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Uh, let's talk Moxley, Hangman, Page, Hamlet. Is John Moxley 100%? No, and that's just part of the fun about this one. It's uh, John Moxley can lose. I 
think because he did the other week, we're not necessarily going to get that tonight. It's he's very, very. I don't think he does it. In, I'd like to think he doesn't do it in that like sneaky political way. But he's very, very careful about when he gets beat and he makes them all count. Um, and that pinfall loss the other week as a result felt huge. Right, it genuinely felt like a seismic moment in John Mox's life that he'd been beaten. Um, it was one of the first times that he like the world didn't have to cheat to get a win over John Moxley, basically. So it was a huge feather in Hangman Page's cap. But I think he. I think he beats him tonight while never looking 100%. I think you're going to be seeing the shaking it off, selling the fact there's lingering concussions. Hangman Page has become fascinating to me lately, this way that he's juggling not being... He's showing confidence without really having it. Like, he, there was a certain... There was a certain obnoxiousness to the way he was speaking to Wheelie Uta, and then that played out in the match as well. He was kind of... He wasn't a heel or anything, but he was a bit of a situational dickhead, if not a situational <laughs> heel. Um, and I think that's going to be the undoing of him tonight. Moxley's more centred. He doesn't need to talk about it. He just shows it in his actions. Hangman, Hangman Page has tried to be that way. And I think that's going to be the undoing of him tonight. I also don't think what's pretty like nice about this is that I don't think it's going to be paid off in one last pay-per-view weapons match or something like that. You know, this will make it 2-1 to Moxley. And Hangman Page will have gone from feeling like everything was back on track and everything was great to having to question things again. It's all about driving Hangman Page back to the elite. It's about making him have to... Like, you can't have a, a redemption arc without needing to get some redemption. And if Hangman Page just wins, it's like, everything's great in my life. I don't, I don't need to look elsewhere for solutions to the problems that I've got. So I do think this is a Moxley win. But it doesn't put... It doesn't sort of... Stop by the character in the tracks. It just sends them on to new stuff. You agree, Sige? I don't. I've got no idea. Mm. I've got absolutely no idea who wins this. And again, you might, I might be looking beyond the fiction and into the various reports of John Moxley was due a six weeks vacation. Yeah, he's not yet taken. Maybe just decided to do a two weeker, which leads us to this. Um, I don't know what's more narratively interesting. The idea, Page. Beating Moxley was monumental when you consider that Moxley's only lost cleanly to uh, CM Punk. And there was a little bit, well, there was a decent amount of interference in the double or nothing tag. But he took that fall to the Young Bucks at double or nothing 2021. You basically, if you, you have to really, really think about the times he's lost cleanly and or decisively. Um, so maybe... AEW will trust its fan base to say, yeah, Moxley won this series and he's going to go on to do something else. What? You don't know yet at Revolution. But beating him once was a milestone for anyone. So take Hangman Page seriously the next time he goes to do something. Um, so I don't know. It's a true pick. It's what I've been crying out for on this television program. It feels all or nothing. I'm with Hamlet. It doesn't feel like they're just going to do some kind of weapons match at Revolution on the back of it. At least I hope that's not the case. I really miss that all or nothing drama at the heart of AEW. They like they explored this to great effect in 2019 and 2020 pre-pandemic. Um, the idea being the match result matters. Your investment in the match is paramount because you know that it matters. So I really hope it concludes in which direction. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to top their first match. Like I thought, it was, uh, the second match, mm. I thought it was absolutely unbelievable the story they told around the lariats, the way to evade them. Um, just the motive behind throwing them. I just thought there was so much story in those lariats that I don't know how they're going to top it, but they probably will because they're both incredibly talented. If I was putting money on it, I would possibly say Paige. I'm leaning towards Paige. So I think he's got something big to do with the elite very, very soon. Maybe even Adam Cole again. 
and Moxley hasn't hinted at a direction that he's going to f- take following this program. So they usually telegraph the life out of who's going to win and who's going to lose. So they've been guilty of that in the past. And on the basis of what I've seen on TV, they've got more set up with Paige, but to talk around in circles, Paige losing can inform his next story. Mm. I've got any idea. I reckon Paige is winning, but I'm not confident in that at all. Yeah, I'm once again asking you to go and watch The Road 2, this brilliant bit of Moxie walking Every around. Every false finish in this match is going to rule. Mm. Walking around his town, and even when he talks, he's selling, oh, I got hit with a really bad lariat in the throat last time, um, hence why I sound a bit all over the place. I don't know whether, yeah, I'm being influenced by the fact I'm thinking poor John deserves a long old holiday in amongst all this or not. Um, But I believe Hangman Page wins this one to set things up going forward. Um, But like you say, I I don't think this leads to another pay-per-view match between the two. I think Moxie rides off into the sunset for a while, a few months later than planned. And yeah, Hangman Page goes on to whatever you've got next for him with that air of false confidence, maybe a little bit more legitimized. It's weird. People say false confidence, and I get it, because it's Paige. But at some point, he's going to have to be, like, confident. Yes. Yeah. I suppose it's because, like, they can do. you can do this with, thir- like, one-time champions, can't you? When the first reign doesn't go as you want it to, that can actually have a worse effect on you from before you won it the first time. Yeah. It's the second one that kind of really establishes you as the man you The hard part be. is keeping it, yeah. in the words of Dr. Dre. Uh, let's talk TBS Championship. Jay Cargill versus Red Velvet. Jay Cargill, of course, looking to go 50-0. and 0. Red Velvet looking to break the streak. Which way do you see it going? I see it going Jay Cargill's way. I just don't think they've invested anywhere near enough in Red Velvet. I do think the 50 thing's cute. Um, it is a genuine milestone going 50-0 up. It just sounds much nicer than 44. And it is, you know, six degrees more impressive. So I like the fact that they've built it around that. And that ultimately is the limit of my investment in this entire thing. Um, I think we've talked to death about the fact that the Jade Cargill character is nowhere near where it was in terms of prestige and star value and power um, before the baddies. It's not Triple H Batista. Mm. This one is not Triple H Batista. For me, the idea of you want Red Velvet to break away from this negging stable so that she can get her agency back and get that old baby face fire back. And none of this has happened whatsoever. No. I've got, it's a bit NXT 2019, this. And the story's arse. But this is the best, one of the best versions of the Jay Cargill match we've seen so far. They definitely have chemistry. Um, Red Velvet can bump for Cargill. We've seen it before. She can bump for anyone, but she can really make herself look vulnerable. And you buy a fire-up spot because she's got something as a baby face, even if we're not seeing it because the presentation of the character is terrible. I think it'll be more high quality and dramatic mm. than recent Cargill matches. Uh, Sky Blue aside, that was an over-delivery. But there's not going to be a title switch here, I don't think. I think. There might be a point where I bite on one of the near falls, but I do think Jay Cargill's going 50-0. You know? What do you reckon, Hamlet? And will Shaq show up? <laughs> Just to, uh, for the LTST, obviously. Mm-hmm. Which is at the heart of this. You know, the first match, last match, and the best match has been Red Velvet in this 50 and all. I think the most... Tiana Jay was the best, but they can see that as a story, yeah, yeah. I think the most telling element of this whole thing is that as it's come round to Red Velvet and as everybody has sort of seen this on the horizon from 45 and all, whenever it was, it's almost an indictment, I think, on the where things have gone wrong a bit or they've gone a bit askew with Jade Cargill that... People have been saying, with regards to the Red Velvet match, 
you know, well, the chemistry is there, so this could probably be good. There's a hopefulness to it rather than a confidence. It's this optimism that oh, they've got good chemistry. This will probably be all right. You, you're 50 in. You should be bu- just buzzing. Yeah. Like we didn't say that about Moxley and Hangman Page or Darby Allen and Samoa Joe. Like you were, there was a little bit of that with Joe with the first one. Mm. Maybe Darby Allen can get something good out of him. That's an indictment on Joe, isn't it? That we were th- that we were there with him. As soon as this match has appeared, like likely, we've been saying, well, maybe this is the one that Cargill needs, and she's about to go fifty matches undefeated. That's not the attitude you should be having into somebody you've yeah. given such a push to. And yes, I do agree that there, this will be an over delivery on quality. But why are we talking in terms of? Over delivery. No, no. Why are we just not hyped? It's like there's more failings at the core of this than successes, I think, even though I I think this will probably be all right, Cargill, to win. It would be, I would get why they would do it on in another timeline where this has all gotten really over and you've seen enormous in ring development on both women and the time just feels right. Like just because the pieces fit, you like don't make that choice. One thing to consider overall here as well is that as much as the card looks great on paper, and as much as the ratings have really stabilized and are impressive and the advances have been a lot better than they f- were feared late last year when Dave Meltzer reported that there was one dynamite taping at the time, I think it might have been in El Paso or something where it was like 975 tickets have been sold. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, what? So the uh, the houses are much, much better this year, a lot more promising. But this one at the Nutter Center, mm. I'm fairly certain it's only going to be two thirds full in a new market as well. The idea that it's a new market, I don't think they've ever done dating before, is promising because it means that there will be people from the area who've never seen AEW live and they'll be buzzing. But, you know, Thatcher versus Danielson might not get that much of a reaction. Um, Velvet versus Cargill. The Jay Cargill character's not that over, so this really could suffer from a lack of heat. Well, before we move on, one next last thing to do. It's time to play the game! Hopeless. Now, obviously, we haven't played this game for the last couple of weeks. It's felt incredibly inappropriate. Uh, But we are bringing it back. And uh, Siege, what's the name of the game? Before we do that, what's the aim of the game? The aim of the game, before we get to the name of the game, is to identify to the very hour, minute, and second, the first time we hear the first note of the first woman's Entrance theme before the obligatory women's match. The idea being that it's such an afterthought. It's so obligatory. It's so token. It's improving, but not enough yet for us to abandon this game entirely. If we can nail to the hour, minute, and second, the first time you hear the the doctor will see you now. don't know why I'm doing it in the Von Wagner voice. <laughs> but you know what I mean. If we can get it to the hour, minute, and second. Von Wagner will, DMD. <laughs> what would he be a doctor in? Fucking oh, uh, army. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think he's good at? Heart surgery. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. If, imagine if we get to the hour, minute, and second. It will really underscore, italicize, embolden the idea of, come on, lads. I'm not saying that your booking of the women's division is predictable, but we did it to the exact second, Tony. <laughs> so change it up. Add another match. You yeah, know, do something that isn't this. It's particularly egregious this week because this is a TBS title for you. They've always kept them separate. But the women's world title is now embroiled in this storyline that has mm. kind of enveloped the entire division theoretically. Not yet, but you, you sense it's it, on an island. You sense stuff, it could, it? and it's on an island because there's one, there's one angle, and these women aren't in it, and it's a big title match. Yeah, the lack of uh, multiple women's storylines on this show, so would you say that's cool or not cool? 
It's just not cool. But that was the aim of the game. Yeah. And of course, to lighten what is a pretty depressing game, two minute spiels are beginning to bore me, but they have to, <laughs> they have to be said. Yeah. Yes. They have to be said because it's not a joke, this. It's yeah. genuinely a bit of a piss take. And especially, you know, it shouldn't have to be about WWE, but sometimes it fucking is, yeah. <laughs> They're right there for the take and embarrass them. Embarrass yeah. them. And the name of the game. Of course, is well. This is late here's night, and I'm thinking, oh, what a night! I'm gonna be Headfield there. <laughs> Who's more butt rock, Headfield or Vetter? Can you imagine uh, them collabing? Oh my god, Headfield! Well, because he's a bigger asshole. Even flow thoughts arrive like butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that would sound like. Uh, once again, as always, thank you to Adam. Oh, get the vinyl. On the other and it's the Oliverbridge guy in Scott's <laughs> It's all four of them. It's not. Let's not poison. Hey guys, let's not leave Hardy out of this conversation. <laughs> um, once again, thanks as always to Adam Blair at Adam Wilton Four on Twitter, who looks after all the. Uh, oh god, it's been a while. This data, data, the statistics. Stained fella. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's a stained fella. Yeah, like the NXT it. viewer. The <laughs> <laughs> sixty-year-old with his cock in his hand. <laughs> Um, Hamlet, you won it the last time we played this, so you're going to go first. Uh, You've got one correct one. Cedric's got one correct one. Now I've got a big fan nothing. Which is, I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know if you want to win this game or not, basically. I mean, you did a lap around the studio with your trophy when you won it. Yeah, good point. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. What uh, it's going in the uh, it's going in the slot though. I was trying to think about if it could be main event because it's Jade Cargill's fiftieth or anything like that, or be one of them like little first hour surprises. Those little hair ruffling. Before the yeah. uh, top of the hour things, they give them sometimes, but it's not the big angle. It's not the big storyline. I think it's Britt Baker that appears the most in that little spot they sometimes treat them with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll go one fifteen and 45 seconds. One fifteen, forty-five 45 seconds. You go. I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll hope more than expectation... Say, I never know how the way they structure it, and Sid always is far better than me at laying this sort of thing out. But I'm going to say, put them in the first hour. Mm. The big TBS Championship blow off 50 and 0. Um, they won't open the show, but who knows? Maybe they'll have the big celebration at the top of the hour following the match. So I'll go zero hour. AW. Um, <laughs> 47 <laughs> minutes. Dead. Actually, now we've both done ours, you can maybe lay out your, your strategy. Yeah, it's, it's, just my, it's my process yeah, because yeah, yeah. I don't really consider what's going to go where until we get here. Um, and that helps me identify where the women's segment, the only women's match, is going to happen on the show. So I can just get it right in my head. Um, boom, let's go. In a flash of light. Dynamite. Wednesday night. You know what that means? This old Okies and catering wait until 10 o'clock. <laughs> where, we, where we tape Rampage, apparently. He likes the Nutter Center. He is the Nutter Center, brother. <laughs> the Nutter Center's his Twitter likes. <laughs> this way for Control Center, Tony goes that way. This way for Nutter Center. Oh, gosh, that's old Okie. <laughs> the Nutter Center's WWE porn. Yeah. I don't know what's going on, so if I can't. 
Oh, let's go. Yeah, sorry, I'm throwing you off. It's only November. I got a nut allergy. I want born for greatness, greatness, greatness. Brian Danielson. Yeah, got it. Timothy Thatcher. And some other matches. Thatcher, no. Boring. It's a bit boring. It's a bit stupid. <laughs> uh, maybe Moxley Page. I can't see any of these matches going long, right? Mm. And there's five matches I expect to get a decent amount of time, but now it's going 20 minutes. So I think they're all going to get about 12 other than the acclaimed in action. So, um, 10 minutes of this freaking segment. <laughs> I think it's generally going to start a bit late here. And they're going to go Joe Darby in the main event. And that will go like nine, uh, ten minutes yeah, of just point. sprinting violence. So I'm going to go with one, 26. Wow. Zero, two. What was yours? Uh, one, 15, 15, 45. 45. You, you write it down just to... No, no I was checking my time. I'm, I'm sure. sure. I'm sorry, yeah. We'll, we'll wrap this up. Okay, I don't care if I miss it. I told you before. <laughs> right. Striking today. Support your striking teachers. Yes. Especially if you've got your kids looked after by your parents and you're not in such a race to get home. But mainly for the purposes of the strike. Of course, yes. Um, you mentioned the acclaimed in action there, Sige. Straightforward victory here, and then guns presumably getting involved. It's pretext to an angle. Yeah. It is pretext to an angle. Um, I think that the guns might do a rap of their own. Ooh. The guns might just do a rap of their own. I, I hope I they do. I want to. I'm not saying there's no room for them to grow and evolve, but the kind of. The human side of the guns that we saw last week. Yeah. I like them as tossers. I do genuinely find them very entertaining as tossers. Irritants. Yeah. So if they can do a rap, I don't think they're going to. I think it's going to... I don't know where this is going or whether I like it, but let them be... Like, play the hits. The Mm. fact that they've actually got hits at this point is pretty good. Be little arseholes and do a rap. Maybe a rap about their dad. Mm. I'd be just back... Come out and sing... We don't like rappers crap, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God, I've got it. So we don't like rap. We don't do that. But we are going to sing a song. Well, the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. <laughs> Little boy blue and the man on the moon. Oh, when you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when. You're always on the road with the fair. <laughs> they could do. Like, one could dress as Road Dog and one could dress as Billy Gunn. And they, well, one of them already does for a living. But then they could both come out and be like, Oh, you didn't call? <laughs> well, we don't care about you anymore, Dad. <laughs> and then everyone who does the road dog says some horrifically offensive stuff and alienates everybody. And well, then, as he's walking backstage, what could he say to Tony? You know. <laughs> Y'all look smooth AF. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Gunn is going to say, I'm sorry, I just don't see you as sons anymore. And they're going to be like, well, you're not going to see it all. And then they're going to stab him in the eye with Sidgwick's pen. <laughs> but they stole yeah. from the psychiatrist office. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just it's baffling to me that we said this all last week. If this is your only plan for this week, like you say, them beating, I don't know, no offense to them, but like Bear Country or whatever, and then the guns coming out, why not just leave family therapy till this week? It just felt very awkward doing it all with the Jay Briscoe stuff it's last week. All very 
lightweight as well. Like the, everything we were saying about what's coming up for the pay-per-view and things, nobody wants to entertain this as being a pay-per-view match, no, which is, what a, is, a, tag which is match. a strike against it. Because the only other tag team that's getting a significant push on TV are baby faces. Mm. Yeah, and Top Flight doing uh, like top flight. trio stuff as well. Yeah, Top Flight, Jungle Hook. Uh-huh. Yeah. Looks like Jeff Jarrett might have to step in again. Press the bree-woo, button for the big rematch at the pit. Yeah. Nah, he's gonna. It's uh, Jarrett, Satnam, and Jay Lethal versus the Elite, right? Oh, yeah. They want a trios match. Give me it. Give me it. Give me it. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett and Kenny Omega. Like, minus the Citrix dream match together. We'd live stream it. Yeah. Both our boys. I would If they do that on Dynamite, I'll stay up live. Yeah. And you would do it the same time. Oh, I would, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. tweet each other and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny Omega, like, mocking the strut. And yeah. doing his little V-trick, like a little running knee, straight <laughs> out of Memphis. We actually hitting them. <laughs> a young buck, slow pan. <laughs> and super kick the guitar out of his hand. God, this match is going to rule. It's going to be so awesome. Oh, my God. Like, Satnam Singh, no selling the super kick party. Yeah. Kick, all three of them. Kick, kick, kick. Wasn't <laughs> the flies to Satnam. <laughs> Speaking of matches that are going to rule... Forgot about this. Kanosuke Takeshita versus Brian Cage tonight. Yeah, this should be all right. It's to be honest, I'd forgot about it until you mentioned it there, which makes me feel like right now it's a match too much for this card. I know they built it, and it was there yeah. last week. You know, it's it's a little bit rampagey this one, um, but maybe that'll help it. And Takeshita as well. This is the one he wins, isn't it? Yeah, which is a bit weird. I thought there was a bigger win. I, I was thinking they were going to get the Revolution. Before, like, they gave Takeshi this big standout win. But it's Brian Cage ain't beating him, is he? Unless they're cheating, I suppose. Unless this sucks him into a feud with the embassy. Yeah. I'm not, not mega high. The match will be fun. Like, Takeshi, like, Brian Cage over delivers quite a bit. Takeshi's not done anything bad at all in AW. So he's, done, he's, done, he's done nothing good. He's been exclusively great. Flawless record. So this is kind of like. I say there. I was like, done nothing good. All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, on me in the first half, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> the, like, especially when we talk about like when there isn't enough time for things and yeah. you could do sort of other angle development, this is right now feels like the one match too many, but we'll see. It's going to be big, stupid, dumb fun, with feats of which you'll be spellbound. Um, I don't think it's going to be any... <laughs> I don't think there's going to be any depth to it. I don't think there's going to be... Any significant story? It's gonna be two massive lads who do stupidly impressive things with their bodies, do those things, and I am wondering whether it's a bit of a waste because Kanosuke Takeshita's arc is exclusively on television, work matches against massive stars or incredibly talented dudes, and then come very narrowly close to winning. For me, the arc completes itself when he gets to win against a Danielson or Moxley or whoever. Maybe they're underdoing it, or maybe it takes the piss to ask the fans to keep believing in him because it's a very puro influenced mm. arc. Mm. And again, the fan reactions are there. It's because the match just kicks so much ass. Kick, so well. much kick his ass, Kinoski. Yeah, if, he, if he loses here, I'll steep, still keep believing him because yeah. he's, he's fantastic. And uh, yeah, be interested to see his chops if they've improved after Ric Flair buried they're, him in, a, very good. in a desperate very attempt good. to stay relevant. You know. No bag of skin. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the head of Dynamite tonight. Like on Twitter. 
at what culture WWE watch taken that for all three of us. Follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. And if you want the results of Ladies Night spoiled in advance of the podcast, follow the brilliant Adam Blair at Adam Wilton Four on Twitter. Make sure you dada sub- boy. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever <laughs> he you get your podcast. Was a boy. I said see you later, boy. <laughs> wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, particularly good NXT review this week. Yeah. Um, and we'll be back tomorrow to review AW Dynamite for now. This has been the Dynamite Preview. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.